you were ready to come back to work or to Texas? I was ready to come back to, to the podcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's specific. Yes, good answer. <laughs> I was definitely ready to come back to the podcast because we had some failed, failed at bats. I'm not quite ready to come back to work. I took three months off like three or four years ago. And really by the end of month two, I was ready to come back to work. And in this case, I took nine weeks off, which is a little bit over two months. And I would say that I really needed the extra month. And I think some of that has to do with buying this house. Some of it has to do with helping a person who's basically new to the country, who's lived 33 or so years of of her life in a very different mode, adjust to living here. And also without her social support system that she's that she has and that she's built up and and there's just like difficulties there that just require time and i think that was like the stuff that was different this house thing is a big distraction for me the closing is on friday but that doesn't actually end (laughs) the all the headaches because it's got it basically that starts a month-long clock hopefully just a month-long clock of getting it furnished and as cheaply as possible, but still looking good, and then rented so it can start generating some sort of income mm. without having to make a bunch of mortgage payments while it's you know sitting idle. So I think that's the stuff that's like preventing me from being 100% ready. And it's also the stuff that distracted me from doing stuff that I thought I was going to be able to do during the sabbatical. That's like work-related or other things. That's my answer to y'all which is the real answer. But I think the answer, the company line is, I'm back and I'm at it. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm glad you're back. (laughs) I am glad to just be back. If that makes sense, right? Maybe not be like in the thick of a bunch of stuff, but but I am glad because I, I do, I like work and I miss work. And it's just, I've just got these distractions that will probably take a month or so to resolve. And and I'm hoping it's not they're they're not going to affect the quality of my deliverables and work and the things that I do because that's not fair. You'll make it work. I I hope so. Yeah, I I I, I think so. So, and Ro- Robert will will do all the work that you need too. <laughs> yeah. Who do you has been covering for him? <laughs> he's the past two months. Like he's yeah, he's been already doing this. So, I'm ready. You know, yeah, whatever. Well. I don't, I don't want to do that to Robert, I, especially Robert. But yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to do that to anyone. So yeah, I want to, I want to be able to pull my own weight. Things are pretty stable right now, so I think it's a good time to ease back in, and hopefully, ramping back up on on your work will not will will take a nice pace that will yeah give you some space. I didn't shut off Slack this time. Like I, I did last time, I just completely shut everything off and I wasn't like keeping up with anything. But I I would check Slack probably, you know, four or five times a week. So I'm, there's not, I don't have to like catch up on a bunch of stuff. I know Mark's leaving to join the Mavs, for example. I know Rachel had left to do something and we got some new stakeholders. And first thing this morning, Greg had a one-on-one with me to catch me up on a bunch of the details and on those things. So I'll, I'll, I feel like I'm, I'm not going to take as much ramp-up time as, as normal because I just never truly disconnected 100%. Do you think that affected your vacation? No, at all? No. 
Because it was it was like idle time. I'm not doing anything anyway. Everyone's asleep. Let me see what's going on. And you lurked a lot. Like I, I don't I remember did. any posts from you. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I didn't post it. I did. I, I did. Yeah. I I implemented like po- no posting discipline, but I read every single email and Slack message that came in probably within a day of it coming in. Good. Well, I'm glad you didn't reply to anything. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I didn't. I I didn't want people to to be like, oh my god, he's he's working on his sabbatical, bad, whatever. So I wasn't really working. I was just. It's like reading the news. It's because I'm not Except on social media and I don't yeah. read the news. That my 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 real escape is reading work stuff. That's funny. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more like, helpful when you don't have any feeds to read. <laughs> right then then you just your feed is your slack and your outlook yeah you turn those off you miss them that's true yeah that's yeah. a much better use of, of time though but yeah Be, because yeah. when i when i took my first leave i was still very much in like instagram and facebook and i was I had a whole bunch of stuff to engage in i quit all that stuff right after that sabbatical and so i realized i was like man it works like the only real it's where i get all my news so and but, most of your stuff. <laughs> most of my stuff. I'm happy to be back uh, recording with y'all, though. Yeah, we're That's happy to have you. 100% Charles and I true. talked weekly about how much we missed recording with you. Have 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 we recorded our anniversary episode? Or this is it? This is Today. it. Okay. Happy right. anniversary! Happy happy anniversary, y'all! Over 52 weeks, right? That's right. Yeah, we have been podcasting and releasing episodes for over a year now. I think this is technically 53. And we've mm. just missed a couple of weeks. So, yeah, not not too bad. Not too bad at all. Congratulations. Congratulations to y'all. This is, It was like an, an experiment when we started, in a way, right? We're just like, hey, why don't we just jump on and do this podcast? And Robert, you really leaned into the production side of it and got everything It was good going. old Gary V, right? Is that, was that right? Was it Gary V that inspired the whole thing? Yeah, that, yeah. In, that inspired the sort of just getting stuff out and recording, creating content and publishing it and worrying about the quality later. Yeah. Which you can't do on everything, I don't think, but for us it worked and it filled a pretty big professional void of we'd just have coffee and we would meet up so many times a week and that that all went away overnight. And so this it was did. a good stand-in replacement for that. I've been following Gary Vee ever since he was spitting wine into a Jets bucket. I don't know any anything about the backstory on... His dad owned the liquor store basically. And he just started doing this like web show, reviewing wine and, uh, but doing it in a way that was like approachable for millennials. It wasn't stuffy. And his dream was to, I guess is (laughs) to own the New York Jets. So he's a big Jets fan. And uh, so when you do, I guess, wine tasting, instead of swallowing the wine because you get drunk, you like spit it out into some sort of vessel. It's usually some sort of fancy silver, whatever. And he just had this like Jets bucket that he would just like spit the wine out into as he was, you know, doing his reviews. And this was like early days of video and YouTube and especially like online commerce for for liquor and, and wine. And he found an audience that was people like himself that didn't connect, didn't resonate with traditional wine connoisseurs and wine rating and he did an everyman 
sort of deal. And that's how I got started. There was a point in time where I just kind of lost track of what he was doing. And then he came back on my radar and I basically saw him as a motivational speaker, like a millennial Tony Robbins light. That's that's only how I know of him or knew of yeah. him when I first, it was just in that space of, you want to be like me, you can do it. And here's some motivation to go try to do your own thing. Yeah, except he actually has the credentials to back it up. It works here because you can trust what he says about building a business, for instance, or building yeah. an audience because he's done it outside of just being an expert. He he has this video. It, it's, it's a video with him and this kind of older guy and they talk about the restaurant business. And they basically break down a, a way to entice customers in the first three visits that they have. That was so good. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's like a no-nonsense, in-the-weeds, practical, tactical breakdown of like how to engage with your customers to get them to come back. And with the point of, if, if you're able to get that customer to come back for the fourth time into your restaurant and, and, and have a good experience, you probably have a customer for life. And, and that came from hands-on experience. Not not like theoretical, wish for it and, and you'll get it sort of sometimes, you know, that you get from motivational speakers. It's just like very no, like, this, nuts this and was bolts. Like, on the second visit, give them this coupon and this color napkin so all the people in the restaurant know that they're on their second visit. And at the end, do X, Y, and Z so that they're sure to come back and give them 50% off their third meal or whatever it was because you're going to make it up when they come back for life. And if you own a restaurant, you just got a bunch of free advice. Yes, you did. That's pretty cool. That was like that you could implement right away and could probably get very good results with. Which coming back yeah. to the podcast, that's what I like about what we do. We don't sell anything. We This definitely helps us in that we're you know connected and we get to talk about stuff that we enjoy and we're furthering our thinking in certain subjects and, and stuff like that. But mostly it's like, yeah, if you're listening, I hope this is helpful. I like the idea of, providing value and just for listening the value has to has to be there right not it can't just be a future promise of value if you're doing something it should be generating immediate value for people okay so i've got a, a question for you all how important is it for us as individuals like you and me but maybe also as leaders to stay up with the zeitgeist because that that sounds hard if that's Gary Vee's superpower, he's, he's figured out something either intuitively and then he's trying to codify it and share it with others on how to do that. But, you know, that, that seems like a scary, daunting thing to do, especially, I can't remember if we were talking about this before we started recording, but Igor, you're not on social media, neither am I. Mm -hmm. And you don't Same. read the news. I read a single daily news email and that's it. And so how, I guess I'm wondering, do I need to be up to speed on the zeitgeist in order to do what I want to do? What What's your thoughts on that? Because that we, we could probably devote a whole episode to trying to deconstruct or reverse engineer how Gary V does it, and maybe it applied ourselves if we think. Well, it's I would important. say little to no value, and you shouldn't try to do that. Interesting. Hmm. Most people should not. Yeah, like I agree with Robert on that one hundred percent. Now that the funny thing is, he's. So he, he's in 10 or 12 different things. You know, Charles, you may have a niche, in, you might like woodworking 
and woodworking materials are really big right now or something. Mm -hmm. Or you may have a restaurant or something like that. You may want to start your own online store where you whittle some things out of wood and, and try to sell them. If you have an interest that overlaps with someone like that, then it's super valuable because you're getting a bunch of content for free. But should you go and immerse yourself in that fire hose of, of content information? No, because that's not that's not what makes you unique in the market. That's not what we need from you as a as a member of the firm. Like there's nothing about that area that would benefit you from from digging into it. Now that's not true for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think for the three of us, there's no way like we shouldn't be on any of that. Well, okay. So let, let's define zeitgeist then, because that I, I don't think I understood the the woodworking kind of analogy there. So the zeitgeist, what is this? Merriam-Webster.com defines zeitgeist as the general intellectual, moral, and cultural climate of an era. Is that is that how you think about zeitgeist? I just thought of what's popular and trending broadly speaking so yeah I, yeah it's probably some overlap there I, I i just i don't think i think it's important for some people especially for people like gary v who at his core is a marketer and, and really helps marketers i think for us we that's that's not our job function for the most part and, and so we're probably better off investing in our time in in ways to engage with people, right? And be curious about our relationships, be curious about the people that we come in contact with. Whereas Gary's probably better off being curious about what's what's going to be on, on the minds of a particular market or a particular type of people. And and, 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 and by the way, Gary V probably has no idea what boomers care about, Right. Like he's planted himself in the millennial era and he's just sort of keeping in touch with what the millennials uh, care about and probably some late version of, of the Gen Zers. But at some point he's, he will, he will like age out and he'll have a, an increasingly harder and harder time understanding the zeitgeist of Gen Z and then whatever the generation is after that. But he'll still probably have a pretty good pulse on what you know the millennials care about, and for him, that's important. I, I don't find that important for me personally. I, I just don't think it, it helps me. Yeah, I think I think my thinking about what Zeitgeist covered was more focused on the culture, you know, cultural. But this definition has a pretty broad one, like intellectual, moral, and cultural climate. There's also some other definitions that talk about politics and economics too, like those trends of a particular era. But I do think that it is, it, it probably is connected very tightly, Igor, to the generations, like specific generations. And and yeah, I just, I don't know. Like it's- Well, uh, you have, you know, return to work and uh, war on talent. Mm -hmm. And there's like areas that are bubbling up right now that overlap with our responsibilities and interests as professionals. And so I would say that those kind of things would might make sense to dip your toe in, but just yeah. not in general, like the the fire hose of what the culture is thinking, I I, I think would do you very little good. Yeah. Well, I, f I feel the need to to take the 
contrary position and advocate for understanding the zeitgeist, but I don't think that's what this episode is Go meant for to it, be Ian. about. No, I, I'll be able to know. I think I need to think Wade about it first. Wade into those waters and let us know. <laughs> let us know how it goes for you. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. So, okay. I think I talked myself out of taking a stance on why we all need to understand things like TikTok and NFTs. Although I, I, I know a little bit about NFTs, not so much about TikTok. Yeah, I, I, I have like weird opinions on like cryptocurrency in general. And the more time goes by, the more false those opinions probably are. So, well, we, we could have a whole topic <laughs> centered on that because I've come to some realizations that recently where I feel compelled to invest on behalf of my kids' future mm-hmm. in cryptocurrencies. That's not investing, buddy. That's speculation. Speculation. Yeah, you're. That's speculation. Nothing see, wrong with nothing see, wrong with speculation. And, and, and like, it's not gambling. It's speculation. And, so you're and you're Rob, Robert and I are exactly on the same <laughs> wavelength about crypto, mm. and it's 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 kind of an unpopular opinion because it's like oh holy cow like look at all these folks making so much money off of off of crypto yeah and so on and. I don't want to speak for you, Robert, but but sounds like we're of the same mind. You know, you can I can speak for me anytime. I, I look at the crypto market, and I'm like, this this is like the the Dutch tulip craze. At least there are tulips at the at the end of that. There's <laughs> there's not even tulips here, right? So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I'll close the loop really quickly on this one. If you if you're saying I want to speculate on something on behalf of my kids, and I'm going to put this discretionary income over here and see what happens, go for it. If you're saying, I want to put together a nest egg that will grow and support my kids over time, trading currencies is not the way to do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go buy a bunch of British pounds or pesos, right? Yeah. This, I'm not, that's the same thing. I'm not trying to build a nest egg, but I, I do want to better understand the difference between investing and speculating because is, but I, I don't think that's the point. I, to me, the I view blockchain and cryptocurrencies, not any particular cryptocurrency, as something as destabilizing as the internet in terms of a disruptive technology. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm betting on or speculating, I guess. And so for me, because I was like, y'all, it's like this is ridiculous. Like I've I'm not I'm not touching any of this. It's like, huh. This is probably the same mindset that people had when the internet came out and was like, who the heck needs a website? It's like, I, well, it's, it, yeah, it's not ridiculous. I mean, I think that's been proven out and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really what I'm, I'm hedging on for my kids' future. Do I think that I'm going to get rich and then be able to pass on to my kids by investing in Bitcoin? No, absolutely. Do I think underlying protocols that cryptocurrencies are, built upon? Are they going to be the foundational protocols like TCP IP of the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm betting 100%. on those things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know what to call that. I, I've been using the word hedge. Like it's a hedge for my kids, not a investment or a, not a way to get rich or anything like that. I don't know. Like, I guess not well, sure there, how to call I mean, there's it. a lot of value in voting with your dollars and things you want to participate in. Yeah. If you think if you like the idea of sustainable energy, nothing wrong with putting some money in Tesla, mm-hmm. even though yep. most people would say that it's overpriced, but people were saying it was overpriced three years ago. 
and it's doubled. Yeah. So yeah. What that that's that's the thing about speculating versus investing versus gambling. Like if, if you want to put some dollars in something to participate or have your kids be participating in it earlier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. It just it's not investing. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't re- try to retire off of it either. Like there's a lot of people that will be able to buy jets and Maseratis because they did and, mm-hmm. and multiple houses. And there's other people who completely wrecked their yeah. them and their future families like financial stability. Gotcha. I, I distinctly remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. This is kind of like mid, it was like mid 2017 and Bitcoin just broke $2,000. And I was like looking at that and I was thinking like, this is the most absurd thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I distinctly remember telling him like, Bitcoin's about to crash. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like, like there's there's no doubt in my mind that Bitcoin was going to crash. Like it was like this crazy run, and and it was just like driven by speculation. And I remember like my Uber driver was like asking me about cryptocurrency, and I was like, what? Like that's crazy, right? Well, the, and the funny thing about that is it did crash a bunch of times since then, and but, it's also, but it never it never fell below two thousand dollars, and. <laughs> And at one point, it it's reached something like 60, right 60K. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and what is it like? What is it today? 43, $43,000. Holy, right I mean, holy smokes. And how, how wrong and stupid was Igor four years ago saying it's going to crash and $2,000 price tag is, is a, some, a boondoggle and, and so well, on? Well, I don't think you were wrong or stupid. And I don't think if you had it at 2000 you would have kept it to 60 You would have sold it at four or 10 yeah. Right. Like you, you just can't hold on to stuff like that. So it, I mean it was it was a crazy roller coaster ride for a while in, in twenty seventeen. And and at that point it was like, wow, this this is like pure speculation. This is this is before a lot of this is what popularized thinking around what the blockchain could do for companies and the enterprise. Like that was the point in time when people were thinking like, okay, you know, maybe let's not discuss Bitcoin, for example, as a store of value or whatever. <clears throat> or uh, actually it was really meant to be a, a medium of exchange. But let's talk about the underlying technologies and, and what a decentralized ledger might mean for, for various industries. And those were definitely like interesting discussions. And yet still, not in those four years, I don't think much has has come out of it, except for companies and and governments are now regulating these cryptocurrencies and the like. The initial ethos behind creating something like like Bitcoin is completely gone. Like nobody nobody talks about that anymore. Nobody cares about that anymore, uh, right? Like the original uh, Bitcoin paper, people are just talking about Dogecoin. Well, well no, I I think I think what's what I guess the way that I would, once somebody made the analogy to what's happening with blockchain and cryptocurrencies to the internet, it all made sense for me. It's like asking, like, hey, how can companies take advantage of blockchain is like saying, how can companies take, take advantage of transport control protocol, like the TCP part of TCP IP that runs the foundations and the plumbing of the internet? Yeah, like just, you, you would build a system that manages contracts on top of right. a technology. Not, and, yeah, I and, agree. Yeah, they don't talk about Bitcoin. Well, a lot of people talk about Bitcoin and Dogecoin and stuff like that. But, you know, those conversations have evolved 
into what is now called DeFi, where there are billions of dollars locked up on blockchains, specifically on top of like Ethereum, which is where all the smart contract conversations go. And so Mm -hmm. I think there has been evolutions, but there's like a fork. And there's been a fork because the protocols have evolved. And so there's this concept of layers, right? Blockchain is like the is like the foundational plumbing. Ethereum is like a, a different layer. I forgot which layer, but there's other layers. So people are building on top of these protocols new applications to facilitate things like DeFi mortgages that, that allows that stuff to take place, people to transact without without the need for you know, some sort of banking institution. The supply chain stuff's interesting too. Yeah. Although it is kind of silly like that. There's an IBM commercial, I think, where like the, each tomato is on the blockchain mm. from a farmer, which yeah. <laughs> I kind of chuckle that and maybe that is not smart of me to chuckle at. But I, I do think there's some interesting supply chain contracts, patient mm-hmm. management, like those kind of things yeah. that really could go next level. There's but somebody I, who's <laughs> talking about how this idea of proof of proof of work, which powers is the protocol that powers Bitcoin, people have to validate certain truths, like cryptographic truths, to in order to say, yes, this transaction should be logged in this block on the blockchain. They 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 applied that into the academic and scientific realm to where citizens like you and I could be validating through proof of work some of the basic fundamental truths of physics in order to create a blockchain of of validated scientific truths that are publicly accessible that other people can build upon and this is my thing it's like yeah I don't think you can talk about blockchain and cryptocurrencies separately I think you have to talk about them together and they were talking about yeah why don't you incentivize people to do that even with the most basic fundamental scientific truths and reward them with currency of some sort. Well, that would, I mean, we just talked about social media that would unlock a a key gripe, which is you, you're basically getting a bunch of free labor by Mm, people putting mm -hmm. their, their information onto these platforms. And then though that information is monetized and not filtered back. So it's like, there's a definitely an asymmetry in, 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 in labor and pay. And so something like that could be, could pave the way for yep. removing one of the like the key issues with social media. That's interesting. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's like the hundreds of coins already like solving that, Robert. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean that, it's that's not that a specific thing. I just with, like you'd have to have some Instagram or Facebook yes, you have to implement, it and they would that's never do exactly that. right. Like, why would you? You're getting it for free. Like, mm-hmm. why would you care? Yeah, it's funny too. So there's the market cap of Bitcoin is 820 billion dollars. And I'm wondering how many billions of dollars of Bitcoin are on lost hard drives or corrupted mm. hard drives or like the wallet is there, the coins are real, yes. and you'll never no one will ever access them ever <laughs> again. Which is which Bitcoin does not have a answer for except to inflate the price of the coin because you can't create more can't create more coins. Like you can I think that the US government probably has a way to handle that for dollars that are just lost. Hmm. Right. But there's no way to there's no way to do that with Bitcoin. So that's kind of, I mean, maybe over time, eventually, are they all going to get lost? Like a, given a infinite time? I don't know. I think it could be. To me, it's like, I've heard people call about call Bitcoin digital gold. And so but the, the lost hard drives and stuff like that are the equivalent of gold at the bottom of the ocean, right? The sunken Spanish <laughs> <Yeah>. Armada. <laughs> well, and it's important to realize too, if, if that analogy holds, there were a very select few people who made 
a ton of money off of mining gold. Most of the money made was the people who were selling, building and selling mining equipment. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's the business you want to be in. Which is not you. And, and I, think, I think that's exactly right because at some point the mining stops, right, for Bitcoin. Like there was a cap in terms of... Well, it becomes prohibitively expensive to mine too, maybe that's which it, happened yeah. for a while. Yeah. Like if the, if the price goes up, then it, it makes sense to spin up compute resources to mine. Yeah. Hmm. And, that's, and, and so going back into if you're a knowledge worker, you have a cloud footprint, one of the main attacks right now is just getting access to your compute resources to mine cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. And so th- no one is really looking, I mean, very few are looking to take your site down, denial of service, just to break a bunch of stuff. The chances are now you're either going to get ransomware, hmm. which you pay in Bitcoin, yeah, <laughs> or they're going to take your compute resources and, and mine until you shut it down. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. So we're talking about the future. We should have been celebrating. I'm really happy to be doing this with y'all for over a year. <laughs> Me too. I, I was thinking in prep for this, of asking y'all a question. I, I hadn't really fully answered it myself, so maybe we could do this. But what have we learned in doing this for a year? You know, what have we taken away, either obvious or not so obvious, that is a result of of doing the podcast? Y'all good if we uh, try to answer that question ourselves? Yeah, I, I can. I can go first, Charles. I think what I maybe I don't know if it's learned, but definitely realized is that I took content creation for for granted. I've I've consumed a lot of content over the years through YouTube videos, podcasts, blogs, content that is produced by by folks who are not like journalists, right? Like they're they're not being paid by some firm to produce this content. And as a consumer, I, I underestimated how much work and effort, you know, goes into that. And so that, that's been, you know, my biggest sort of realization or, or learning from this is that it, it's hard. And especially if you're trying to be, you know, very thoughtful and want your content, like we talked about earlier, to provide some sort of immediate value or thought or engagement or, you know, whatever it is uh, to people who are listening so that's that's what I learned is content creation is not as easy as I thought because when you consume it, it just it seems easy and it looks easy, but it's a bit harder than that. It's very different from where we started though, Robert. It was just a let's hop on Zoom for 30 minutes and chat and no prep and share it out there and see what feedback that we got. We got we got pretty good feedback on that. So there's a yes, Igor, you're right. Because I remember when I was leading a session and trying to prepare for it and distill things down for y'all to think and be prepared for sessions, that, that does take time and energy that, that is uh, invisible when you're just consuming. And it doesn't take much to start to put some thoughts out there and have it be beneficial. And I think that's probably what we've learned is to try to calibrate how much time and energy and prep do we put into this given everything else that we have to do and given the type of value that we want to bring to our audience, I think our journey has been trying to figure out what is that balance, right? Because we can't do this as a full-time job. We don't want to half-ass it every time, but I do feel like we've gotten to a pretty good kind of rhythm and cadence for how we plan for episodes, how we identify relevant topics and how we lead them and and things like that. And I think we're still like 
exploring, right? Like we're, we're not set on anything. We're, we're still trying new things. Every time we have a discussion about the future of the podcast, it's always like what, what new techniques and maybe content areas are we going to explore and, and how are we going to change things up? And not just like, okay, here's our formula and we're just going to keep, keep doing it. So I think it's, that's a cool part of the process for, at least for, for us three, I think is we're just open to exploration, but not just open to exploration We're we're actually doing the things that are necessary to like, Hey, let's try this or that or the other. Well, cool. Uh, let me, let me go next and then Robert, you can round yep. us out. You go with that. Sounds good. I think the, the thing that I learned is the, I don't know, I guess how impactful, like just simply having a conversation can be on the people around you, the people that you work with, our audience, because I, I really jokingly, we, we talked about this when we had coffee you know, years ago before we started doing this, it's like, oh, we have really interesting conversations. We should record these and share them. We joked about that, but I also thought maybe it was really just interesting to us and valuable just to us and only us, not anybody else. And the podcast really put that to the test. And I think I was really pleasantly surprised at the tiny bit of feedback. I mean, we don't get a whole bunch of feedback about our podcast and our episodes, but we do hear every now and then it's like, oh yeah, I was listening to your podcast when I was driving from you know, Houston to Dallas or, hey, what you said on this thing would hit me at a really important time in my life. And I, I really was surprised at that. Like even, even that first episode that we recorded, I think some people commented on our Maslow's hierarchy discussion, Robert, episode number one. And I, I think I really was surprised a little bit it's like, ah, not that we have original insights to share that we're trying to bring through the podcast, but even just wrestling with some of these things and talking about it is just hugely valuable. And the world needs so much more of that, right? Because, because the world is so big, there's so many different ideas out there. And because we're overwhelmed with all of this, we need a mechanism to try to cut through a lot of that noise. And for me, it's always been podcasts, like finding people who I trust and listening to their podcasts. And I was like, wow, in some small way, we are like that for others. And that that's just freaking cool. <laughs> like That's just really, really cool. It's humbling. I do feel a sense of responsibility, right? That we are as accurate and uh, thoughtful as we can be. But that's what I've learned. It's like our our voices, our discussions and conversations have a real tangible impact on people's lives. And that is really cool and also a little scary at the same time. Really well said. I'm, I completely agree with you. What about you, Robert? Good question. Yeah, yeah I'm probably going to ramble for a little bit, which I hope is okay. One of the main things I learned is I don't care so much about the metrics we've had at this point, and I haven't looked in quite some time, mm -hmm. tens of thousands of, of downloads, listens, whatever, across all platforms. And that's pretty cool. And there is kind of something that says the more people that listen, the better, but pretty quick. And I'm, I'm fairly competitive, so I thought I would be interested in using this as a metric. 
and I don't I don't really care so much about that right now. The thing that really matters to me, and Charles, you said this, is somebody occasionally will say, hey, I listened to your podcast and this thing you said about well-being or leadership or the ideal week or whatever was really like helped me. And that is a ripple effect, right? That has, that compounds over time, right? And is probably a discussion you wouldn't have been able to have with that person or you just wouldn't have had the opportunity, right? They were listening to you on found time. And I think that's just really cool. We we are talking about things. We're figuring stuff out as we go. Like this is not really a performance at all. I thought podcasting was a lot more like a presentation, like giving a talk on something week over week. But for us, it's a, it's just a discussion between colleagues. We're constantly growing, evolving our perspective on a wide range of subjects. And those are directly related to us succeeding in our careers. So we're better for having done this. We've pushed our thinking forward in a lot of areas. And that happens to have helped other individuals in specific points in time, which I think is so cool and motivates me. I mean, I like doing this as a hobby. I would chat with y'all just to chat. and But it also is very motivating that other people find value occasionally in, in what we say. But I also agree with you. I don't have no clue how good of a job we're doing. Like an aggregate, there's no good way to measure that. But I'm totally content having people occasionally tell me, hey, I listened to this and it was helpful. It was helpful to me in this area. And it's always very specific. I was listening to this episode and I like what you said here. And man, I think I think that's really cool. And so, yeah, we're making the content we want to make. I'm having a great time with y'all. I don't ever plan on stopping this. I like the cadence. We're talking about what we want to talk about and it helps us. It helps other people. I really, I'm thrilled and overwhelmed with how much of a personal and professional benefit that this has been. And I just didn't think that, I didn't foresee it. And so it's pretty cool to to reflect back and and see the the progress we've made. And this is only the beginning. Yeah, this, this kind of connects back to Igor, something you said about uh, Gary V. He's a marketer. And so he's got to stay up on the zeitgeist. I think that's what we're talking about. And we're not. I'm a big fan of Seth Godin. I haven't read any of his books, but I absolutely <laughs> love his podcasts. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he he would say we're all marketers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And <laughs> he would, you know, mark. Yeah, yeah. Marketers are are people who make things better by making better things. That's his phrase that he says a lot. And for me, I think discussing the topics that we discuss, like the topics that we select and our discussions about them, I think help me to make better things, whether that's personally or professionally. And that, I, yeah, I think as long as I get that value from this, yeah, I'll never stop. Regardless of metrics, how many downloads, even the feedback that you know we get from our audience, even if that dies away, which I don't think it will, right? I, I think as long as we are personally getting value out of it, Others will too. I, I think that's just the nature of how this stuff works. Yeah. And and I'll say, I mean, just to, to put a point on, to add to what you just said, maybe to riff on it a minute. So in my past, in my career, the first emotion I would feel when someone on my team was saying they were going to take some time off was maybe not anger, but like I was annoyed. I was annoyed. And 
I was never annoyed when I asked for time off. <laughs> but and and there's like there's no rational reason for for that emotion. And we we've talked a lot about taking time off, spending time with family, mm. those kind of things. And what I've found is I'm no longer annoyed when people come and tell me they're taking time off. I'm like happy about it. It's really weird. Mm, mm-hmm. And but for me though, and and maybe especially compared to you and I, Charles, I, I trend a, I trend a little more selfish, I think, than you do. Mm. I take more intentional time off. I feel like I get more out of the time off I take with my family. I'm more tactical and practical about the things that I do to create space for mm. good stuff to happen. I'm more cognizant of the experience everyone's having. Th- that never would have that never would have happened mm. without us doing this podcast. And so it makes me a less stupid leader because like why, I mean, it's such a bizarre emotion. Like why even, I don't know why that connection was made in my brain. And I ne- probably never would have noticed. And it, that's gone, which is cool. But I do things better for my personal well-being uh, and long-term professional success, I guess, because I don't get burned out like yeah. I did before. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I attribute a lot of that to the conversations we've had on the podcast. That's awesome. It's funny, when, when you were describing your initial reaction, mine was, I think I've always been like this. But when it's been really neutral, somebody asks for time off, it's like, look, if you've talked to the right people, you've got a plan for it, just go. Yeah, approved. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 But, but now what happens is people will do that. And before they even finish, I'll just say approved, <laughs> just go on. And then when they keep on trying to justify and ask and explain, that's when I get annoyed. It's like, haven't you listened to our episodes yet on taking time off and the importance of it? Shouldn't you know by now that you don't have to justify or really explain why you need this? That That's really funny. I hadn't realized that, but yeah, most recently, it's like, why are you still talking to me? I said that this is approved. Just Let's move on. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's funny. Still some growth to do on our end. Yeah. yeah. Always. <laughs> is always the always, case. Yeah. Lots of growth. You could fill two internets with all the dumb stuff that I do as a leader. And all the blockchains with all the all coins. All the blockchains. All, all of it. All yeah. The, <laughs> Oceans of. All the contracts. Of, it's all the smart contracts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it could be like meticulously cataloged for all time and space. Yeah. Ooh, That's that'd be perfect. scary. Yeah. Oh yeah, just think performance feedback and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, this is this has been a a huge benefit to my to my life doing this with y'all. I'm thrilled we we made it over a year, learned a lot, and I'm excited. It's been sh- such a stable thing in my life too. By the way, yep. the seasons change, pandemic shifts, clients and projects come and go, but this has been a ver- really stable thing. So it's it has contributed to my well-being for sure, just in ways that I, I probably can't even really recognize now. But I, I think that's the podcast is really kind of a probably a representation of our friendship, you know, that, hmm. that has been pretty solid over the years. Yeah. But it's the podcast yeah. is like something tangible that represents that. So yeah, thank you all. That's y'all deep. are y'all are my it is some of my best friends. So it's uh you're gonna make me cry. No, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I meant a- it I meant it when I said I was really ready. Whatever else I may not have been ready to come back to, 
I was really ready to to come back for the podcast, and that was very super sincere from from yeah, me. yeah, yeah. That's great, and it was much harder to do without you. We didn't get many episodes recorded, and it, it didn't feel the same. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the feelings mutual. Absolutely. Hey, so on a on a really kind of high note, maybe we can end on. So looking forward, lots of cool stuff planned for the next year. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire hit some topics. And if y'all want to add some color to those, feel free. But here's what we have sort of on the docket. So just celebrated in in our notes, it's happy week 52. This is happy week 53. So definitely glad we were able to to sit down and celebrate and welcome Igor back. So we're going to do some questions. We're going to answer some questions some of our new hires had at our onboarding program. So there's four of those we're going to hit. Topics like imposter syndrome, how to ramp up quickly when starting a team, how to take on more responsibility. We've talked about Ideal Week already, right? The importance of sort of checking in, being transparent, especially when picking up new work, how to ramp up on new technologies quickly, those kind of things. We're going to hit a a series on one of our favorite books, The Trillion Dollar Coach. That'll take about eight episodes where we really do a deep dive into some of the very best human-centered coaching that for leaders, knowledge workers that has ever been cataloged. I mean, it's just incredible. If you haven't read the book already, we'll go through that. Managing early career setbacks. That'll be a whole sort of mini series. And so we have dozens of episodes already kind of planned and things we want to talk about and are excited to talk about. And that list just grows over time. So lots of really cool stuff on the docket. If you're listening and you want to have input into what we talk about, email us at hello at wannagrabcoffee.com. We'll work it in. We, we were 100% on things people asked us to talk about that we're talking about. So feel free to chime in, give us some feedback. Love to hear from you. Any thoughts on that, Charles and Igor, on what we have coming up? Nothing other than I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into another book series. Those are all always fun. This one I've read. So <laughs> the Nine Lies <laughs> book was a little weird because I, I hadn't I wasn't reading along with you all, but this is going to be awesome. It'll solidify the learnings that I took away from the book and and also we'll be able to share it with others. Good stuff. Igor, any closing thoughts? I'm ready. I'm ready to hit it. Definitely one of my favorite books of the last couple years and something that I I aspire to to do myself at whatever scale I can do it at and super stoked to to take that on. Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot too. Would you be willing to do a trip report episode? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about this before you were back, Igor. Yeah. <laughs> you can say no. Yeah. It, if y'all think it's interesting, I'm happy to do it. I just, some, sometimes I think I uh, underestimate how interested people are in that sort of stuff. But then whenever I do a trip report, I get like really good feedback uh, people are like yeah i'm really glad you you did that and so if y'all think uh it's interesting i'm happy to to put some time in and and do a little trip report which well, you uh, got we'll married tie at into the same... our book <laughs> did, didn't you get married at the same venue as britney spears i did yeah you know of Br- course it's going to be interesting <laughs> <Britney man. Come> <laughs> spears, i think had like a 52 hour marriage to her childhood best friend, Jason Alexander, but not like Jason Alexander from mm. Seinfeld. And we got married at at the exact same venue. So me and, and Britney and Spears now have a connection. Past fifty two hours, we we've definitely <laughs> made it longer than fifty two hours. So um, 
So very excited about that. Of course you want to hear about that, man. Right, that yeah, sounds seriously. amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll tee that up then. You want to do that next, next cool. week? Maybe give me another week because I'm going to get some material. I'm going to do trip reports just as kind of regular uh, part of our, my work. And I'm getting materials together for that. And so I'll probably need a couple of weeks to do that. So in the next couple of weeks, let's let's go for it. Okay, well, we'll record it before Halloween. How about that? Definitely before so Halloween. If, you, if you're listening, tune in. That'll be, it'll be a banger. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and okay, so and remind me too, and this, and then I'll stop doing the preview. You went out. You went to the Grand Canyon. You went out into the like little ring sort of thing that lets you kind of stand over the Grand Canyon, right? Yeah, yeah. and the Grand Canyon is truly impressive. Yeah, and like. I, I've traveled a lot and I've seen a lot of, and, and nature uh, tends to impress me most anyway, just because of its scale. And so I've, I've traveled through like the Swiss Alps and, and stuff like that. And holy cow. I mean, the Grand Canyon, you can say it's a, it's a giant hole, but I mean, I just never, I've seen so many photos. I've seen drone videos, but until you're standing there breathing that air and looking like your actual eyes are looking at it and your body's sort of experiencing the atmosphere of of the Grand Canyon. I just I never truly could appreciate it. People would always like have be like, oh my God, it's so cool. And I'd be like, Yeah, I don't know. I even considered just not going. Like just driving past it. And <laughs> and I gotta tell you, man, I am so glad that I made I didn't make, it wasn't just my decision to my wife. Actually, it was right before we got married. So at that point, it was my fiance who was going to be my wife in about a day. I was like, hey, I, I think it'd be really cool. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Let's just do it. And boy, it's 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 something. It It's awesome in the truest sense of the word. You know, we throw yep. around, around awesome. I throw around awesome a lot. Yep. But it is truly awesome. I'm glad you saw it and experienced yeah. it. It was, it was nuts. Yep. It's nuts. It's it's really cool. And even for somebody who's like tech loving, ADHD having sort of person, just just being there in the moment, taking taking in our planet, and just the you're right, the awesomeness of of that canyon was it was just nothing. It was nothing else was quite like it on the trip. I mean, we we talked about it. And I think close, not a close second, I think maybe a far away second was, was the Bonneville Salt Flats in, all, in Nevada. But the Great Canyon is Lots of crazy. stuff to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about it more. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Well, hey, thanks for chatting today. Happy one year celebration. Happy one year. And we'll talk next week. Celebration, y'all. <laughs> one one year and one week. Happy 53. Yeah, I think it's something 50, like that. 56 weeks or something like that. But we're celebrating. We're celebrating. Now. Close close enough. Close, close enough. enough. We're rounding. Yeah. Have a good rest right, of the guys. day, y'all. Bye. All right, bye. Bye. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com. 